It's Dr. Stu's Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Stuart Fishbein. This is podcast number 150, and I'm here with the smooth-talking, silk-tongued protege of, <laughs> of mine, the mysterious one, Bliss. How are you doing? I'm good. Good. Good to see you. Yeah, it's good to see you. Mm-hmm. When, I, when was the last time I saw you? Um, two days ago. That's right. What were we doing? <laughs> we were uh, barely catching a baby. Barely catching a fast baby. And we were. What a blessing. Yes. For everybody involved. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us at drstudspodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on Instagram at Birthing Instincts or at birthingbliss.com. Dot com or you're at Birthing Bliss on Instagram, right? Birthing Bliss Midwifery oh, on birthing bliss social midwifery. media. I'll, I'll someday I will get that right. We're going to record it and then you won't have to remember it. Yes. You know, I'm going to ask a, a survey here. People want to know. Uh, we want to know whether you think we should have a recorded introduction or should we fumble through it every week like we do? Because <laughs> I like fumbling through it. And I like kind of going and all that crap. And you can find us on this place and that place. And and uh, I don't tweet. And you thank God that for too. that. You could do that too. So we could do a, a standard introduction and then follow it with a regular introduction? No. That was excellent fading out of the music there by our producer. <laughs> it was per- perfect, perfect music timing. Anyway, so yeah, please find us on iTunes. Please like us. Please share us. Um, we, and yeah. review us and share with your friends. Like if you like one of our podcasts, just share it because it really makes a difference. And we're still working on getting our numbers, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if anybody's interested in sponsoring us, yes, we could actually. He's thinking. Yes. <laughs> We could actually give John a raise. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> he was thinking because I don't get paid, so he can't I don't, give yeah, me a raise. I couldn't go that way. Yeah, I wasn't going to go that direction. <laughs> you get paid five times as much as I do. I do? Yeah. Because zero and zero. Yeah. I'm getting it. Yes. I have the basic uh, math I'm getting. I'm, I'm doing the math thing I do. <laughs> oh, my God. So we have a few, uh, few old business. So we, if this was a, a, a meeting call to order, we'd have to do old business first, right? Right. So we got some old business. But you were going to tell me something. You said something neat really happened last night. So what happened? Oh, I did this cool event. Um, one of our friends, Ivy, who's a who's a doula, yeah. it's her birthday today. And so last happy night, birthday. happy birthday, Ivy. Um, she invited us to come and do this. It's called Silent Disco, and it's at the beach, just north of the pier. And they do it on Monday nights, and. Um, you go and they put these headphones on you and they have a DJ and they play all these tunes and you're on the beach kind of like just dancing around at sunset. It was awesome. And it's for people walking by, it's perfectly quiet, right? It's perfectly quiet. Uh-huh. A lot of people were staring at us yeah. like, what are those weirdos doing? But it was, I had a great time. It was beautiful and cool people and great music. Yeah. And, and you know what's special about last night, which unfortunately we didn't work out for me or you probably either is the Marine, because the Marine layer kind of rolled in. Uh, but it was the Perseid meteor shower last night. Yeah, you talked about that when I saw and you. And I got I, up at two in the morning and to did? go outside and try to find it, and it was hazy and overcast. Yeah. And I thought, should I get in my car and drive to the top of Mulholland and blah, blah, blah? And I said, yeah, no. <laughs> 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 so it'll come around next year. So <laughs> next year I will make a better plan than this year. And awesome. I want to be in some place. Because you know what? I've, I've taken, when my kids were little, we used to go outside. And I would take them up into the hills or places and we would stretch out on the ground and we would watch for shooting stars. Yeah, it's special. Yep. And when I was really, when I was younger and I used to go camping with my buddy Greg, 
who's a pediatrician in Minneapolis, we used to go up to the Boundary Waters canoe area, um, which is on the Canadian border with Minnesota. Mm. And we'd go canoeing and we would, we would um, lay outside and we'd watch for satellites. Yeah. And if you look up at the sky, you can actually, eventually you'll see a s- satellites crossing over because they move, you know, they move steadily across at a fairly rapid rate. But while different they're in the than sunlight. planes. Oh yeah, they're you know, they're not yeah. they're not flashing lights and they're much higher up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just sort of like looking into space. Uh, I, I I love the fact that that they've sort of been celebra- celebrating fifty years since the moon landing because most of my listeners weren't alive then, but I was. I was uh, almost thirteen years old. Hmm. It was the day before my thirteenth birthday. Wow. And I remember it. I was sitting in the living room with my mom, watching. Uh, as uh, they stepped out of the, I was kind of hoping they would wait a few hours. Yeah. Because then it would have been my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) But it was in the evening. It was the evening of the 20th of July of 1969. That's amazing. That they landed on the moon, or they landed and they went for their walk. And uh, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. There's a lot of good movies out and there's a live uh, thing that's going around. Right now it's at the Rose Bowl. I think it heads down to Orange County next. Uh, You can go and it's the reenactment of the Apollo 11 um, or the Apollo missions, culminating in Apollo 11. It's just sort of cool. So I always, as a little kid, I always loved space. So whenever we have these meteor shower things or, mm-hmm. you know, um, when I was a resident, I think uh, there was a comet that came by called Hale Bop. People may remember it. I think there were some people that committed suicide in Orange County to Hale Bop, if people remember that too. There was a cult that... Uh, when was that? It was probably in the early 80s. Is that when they there's a bunch of them and they drank something and they were all in a Last room not, together? You're not talking about Jonestown in, in Guyana. That's that was something completely Has different. Has to do with the meteor, though. Yeah. They, th- that, they thought that, they were going to go it was, a hou- it was a house in Orange County, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, so we went out to the desert <laughs> and we and we could actually see it. Hmm. Right. Awesome. And I don't think I'll be, my, I, my eyesight won't be good enough if I even live long enough to have Haley's Comet come back again. When so, is that? Oh, it's like in probably another 25 years. Hmm. Hopefully. I can't, I can't remember. Maybe, I think it's about 2045, I think. Hopefully we'll all still be here. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It could be the end so of the world com- before 2045 So I have years. a small bone to pick with you. Oh. Okay. All right. On the you, air? You did not come over to my house Ooh. and speak to Homer. Because <laughs> Homer's still pooping on he's the bed. He's pooped a few times. Not on the bed. Homer. He's not, he's, he's not uh, doing the bed anymore. Actually, I think I told you to have a conversation. Well, I did. I had, a, I had a really nice conversation. Mm-hmm. And you know what he did? Mm-hmm. He, listened, he listened like a cat. Mm-hmm. Did not. He didn't listen at all. <laughs> right. Aww. Homer's so, not used to the new spot. Right. So I'm going to have you or Desi come over and have a talk with him. <laughs> okay. So we got that out of the way. We got some other housekeeping to do. Um, we promised several times to talk about... About we since did. next year is the uh, year of the nurse, right? In midwife, midwife and nurse, midwife 2020. And nurse. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. It'll be 200 years since the birth of Florence Nightingale. That's right. So I actually looked it up, and you said mm, I don't know that much about Florence well, Nightingale. So we said we would we would tell you. She's called the Lady with the Lamp, and she got what? that thing because she would walk around during the Crimean War. Mm-hmm. She would uh, walk around uh, in the um, medical tents, carrying a little lamp. And the Crimean War was from 1854 to 1856. Mm-hmm. And she improved the, san- the sanitary conditions there, and she dropped the death rate of soldiers by two-thirds. That's amazing. Which is amazing mm-hmm. for that era. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so here's a question for you. Who fought in the Crimean War? <laughs> <laughs> That's so unfair. I know. I know. I didn't know either. I didn't either. But it was a, it was a, a coalition of the Turks, the French, the English, and the Sardinians. Where's Sardinia, by the way? Do you know where Sardinia is? Europe. Is it Greece? Is it, is it uh, Italy? Know. Someplace like that? Mm-mm. Anyway, they fought the Russians. Okay. And the coalition won. And the reason that she's called the modern mother of nursing is because she lowered the sanitation. Well, and also in 1860, she established established a hospital called St. Thomas's Hospital. I don't know where that was, but uh, she established a hospital in 1860 and set the standard, which everyone began to follow, to change the way people did things with uh, sanitation that sort of thing. So I guess she's uh, probably more famous than Semmelweis. Do you know who Semmelweis was? No, so I guess she is more famous. Yeah, she is more famous. <laughs> Semmelweis was an obstetrician who had gr- really improved the maternal mortality. His, his maternal mortality rate in his wards was much less than everybody else's hmm. at the time. I can't remember. He was before Florence Nightingale, though. It was like in the 16 or 1700s. Mm-hmm. And do you know what he did to improve uh, the sanita- uh, to prove the outcomes? Washed his hands. That's correct. Right. He washed his hands between mm-hmm. patients. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't know that there were germs and They never knew that. that. The germ theory they didn't, didn't exist. That. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. All right. So I think... Uh, so I did ho- know who he was, just not by name. So salute to Florence Nightingale. And uh, we'll, we'll have a little... Probably talk about her next year when it's her 200th birthday. Okay. Okay. We'll do it. Now, the next thing we had on the, on the list was um, ever since the last podcast... I have been noticing more yoga pants. I have to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> that's I never, that's I never awesome. really paid attention to them, and now you know, and now YP. they're everywhere. YP, YP, mm-hmm. they're everywhere. But you're not wearing YPs. Mm-mm. John is though. John's wearing <laughs> yoga pants. I don't, yeah, I don't know that it's the same for men. No, it's not. Yeah. I mean, I, although although guys that they're regular um, uh, road bikes who ride bikes. Mm-hmm. Okay, but they wear their biking pants, which are kind of like yoga pants. Yeah, except they have padding. Yeah, but they still, you know, their their calves and their their calves are amazing when you see these guys riding on the street. It's true. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. All right. Did you know that that people who are cyclists they actually want to weigh less because then it's easier for them to pedal themselves? I just found that out from a cyclist friend. Is there weight classes in cycling? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But he said I'm actually obese. When it comes to cyclists, because I said, "Oh, really? You want to? People want to be lighter." He's like, "Yeah, because then it's you want to have that lean, uh, yeah. that lean Go muscle, that, that that fight, the fast twitch. I mm-hmm. guess would be the fast twitch muscle or something." Yeah, interesting, right? Very interesting. Mm-hmm. And the one last thing I think we have on the <laughs> old business news was <laughs> about self care, right? Yeah, we told people we would talk about self care, and every time we we say this, you say, "I don't know what that <laughs> means." <laughs> Well, I, you know, I sort of know what it means, but why don't, why don't you uh, explain it to me? I, I got Florence Nightingale. You well, I, you know, I just thought it would be really good for us to talk about what our self-care practices are, because the work that we do is very intense and draining, and everybody's looking at how to be more sustainable and how to have a balanced lifestyle. So I thought it would just, you know, we could kind of share what our self-care practices are. So you want me to start? Yeah, because I don't really have a good model of self-care. 
Okay. <laughs> I think you do some things for self-care. You'll, it'll come through. So um, one of them, obviously, is making sure that we get enough rest. So on days that we're not with a client or all of that, we, we make time and we prioritize getting rest. So we go home after a birth, maybe clear our schedule, make sure that we have the time to be able to do that. For me, what's optimal is the following day, I have absolutely zero responsibilities. So I, you know, I don't know that you always do this in terms of canceling your day after a birth, but I do. Well, my days are not, my work days are not hard mm-hmm. on me. You know, I only work half day, two days a week, and then a full day on Thursday. So mm-hmm. yeah, if I was up till really till four in the morning on Wednesday night, I would probably cancel at least my morning. Mm-hmm. And then I would let Chrissy, my, my staff know that whether or not I'm going to make it in later, but I'd, I'd probably, and what I normally do is I actually call if, if, you know, Chrissy's not in the office till eight thirty or nine, I, I would call the, uh, the clients myself. Mm-hmm. at like six or seven in the morning and leave a message saying that, you know, you need to call Chrissy the after nine to reschedule because yeah. uh, I don't want them, you know, driving in like the nine o'clock patient probably heads in sometimes at 730. Right. It is LA. Right, sure. right, right. Yeah. So for me, um, having the freedom to just sleep as long as I want to and really um, move in my next day with what feels right for me on my timing um, is a really important self-care practice. It's not every birth, but definitely those really long ones or, you know, the really long ones where you transport or something's really emotional or, you know, that I really need time to just be with myself and my thoughts and take care of my body and eat really good food and spend time with my family. Like, that's probably one of my biggest self-care practices. Um, I also do activities like yoga and hikes and being out in nature and those things, those are a real priority for me just in terms of getting my head on straight and making sure that my body can sustain doing this birth work for a long time. You and I were talking at the last birth that we're both having some injuries on our body that we've been working with physical therapists and chiropractors and, and I'm finding that mine is coming from driving in the car. Yep. I think it's a big part of of mine too. Right. So, unfortunately, um, I may have to stop doing, you know, primarily home-based care as an act of self-care because even though I love doing that, if my body is not, you know, yeah. feeling good, I need to t- really prioritize taking care of and that. Make, and make the clients come to you then is what you're saying. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that's really good. And the other issue is for you, at least, is that most of your clients, unless you're working with me, are in a, in a in a reasonable geographic radius, whereas, you know, I have clients sometimes a two three hour drive, yeah, to and from, and I and then we have to do the prenatal visit down there, the home visit, and then we do the birth, and occasionally it's a false alarm, we go down and we have to go back, <laughs> mm-hmm. or we end up staying down there all day long, and you know going to the beach or going to the movies or having dinner, and then hoping that they're in labor, and or on rare occasions we've even uh, like like we even got a hotel like we did down in. Uh, Delzura, where we we had the um, what was the name of the inn? I don't remember the name. I remember the uh, room. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that inn. But I'm saying the inn that we wondered who owned the inn. Uh, oh yes, 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 yes. It's one of the title of one of our podcasts, yes. but I can't remember what it no, is. No, I can't remember. Yeah. Either. So anyway, we do that sort of thing. But you're right. But spending two hours in the car for me is a, is a, is an issue. And mm-hmm. I agree with you. Getting outside is really is really great. I either mm-hmm. go for walks in my neighborhood now. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I, I like my neighborhood. I really like where I'm living. And I also, of course, 
three times a week at least I'm up at the ranch. Yeah, I knew that was going to be one of yours. Spending time with your oh, horses. Oh, it is. It's yeah. it's they're so loving right now. They're at mm. you know they're they're at an age where they're very healthy. Mm-hmm. Other than they get one of them gets a summer sores, but but uh, as far as being able to ride them and um, enjoy them, and they're unbelievably sweet. Uh, you know, part of it, I think, as I said before in the podcast, I think it's Pavlovian. They know when I get there that they're going to get Food. mash and they're going to get cookies and 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 some uh, attention. So I mm-hmm. think that that's part of it. But they really, it really is really reassuring and and re- rejuvenating for me to um, mm-hmm. to go there. Yeah. So. Yep. Um, so making sure that we're in nature. Yep. Making sure that we have time to rest. Um, and then for me, the other thing is, um, you know, how I actually care for my body with food is a big part. I was going to say, I'm sure food is an issue for you. Big part of self care. So thinking about ahead of time, um, you know, what I can take to a birth if I feel like I I might need that. So I, I do some things in terms of like putting things in the freezer that are things that I could take with me that would warm easily or, um, you know, people are supposed to have good food for us at the birth, but that doesn't always <laughs> turn out. So it's good to have a backup plan. I'm not very hungry at births. Yeah. You know, I really am not. And I probably don't drink enough water either. Well, the next time I'm at, at a birth with you, I'll make sure that I got you water at the last birth. But that's an important one. Making yes, sure did. that you have enough water. But that's because I was in so much pain I couldn't get off the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> So another one that I know you do and I do is that we make sure that we um, prioritize family. So I've seen you go back to Minnesota, right? Many yeah, times. But, but yeah, but even that, but the work gets in the way of that a lot, well, as of you know. As we you know, I've had, to, I've had to cancel going home for events because I've had clients with breaches or twins in my office crying yeah <laughs> the day before or the week before because they, they're worried that if i go and then they go into labor that they have no options but to go to the hospital which is actually true mm-hmm. so um, but i've seen you a lot of times really say i'm going this is important i'm going and you and you go and you take care of yourself which i think is also super important yeah and yeah, it was i think it was more so when my parents were both alive i think mm-hmm. that uh Mm-hmm. My my trips to Minnesota have fallen off. I would love to go back in in the summertime and go like we did a couple years ago. I took the kids and we went to rent a cabin up in the north and went you know jet skiing and not jet yeah jet skiing right. And we had just a, we we had a great time up there. Mm-hmm. And it it brings me back to my childhood. So that's always a good thing too. Getting you know having these nice memories. Yeah, and you have your annual trips. So you go to Vegas with your buddies and you do that, and then you have your skiing trip that you do every year. So you have these things that are really important to you that you make you just make sure that you've carved out time for. So that's self-care. Self-care. Yeah, it's prioritizing self-care. The other one that I pro- we probably aren't great about, but I'm I'm getting better about is boundaries. I think you're I think you're I mean, I don't know what you're comparing yourself to, but I think you're really good with boundaries. You do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I haven't been very good about like a policy with my clients about when it's okay to text me for non-urgent issues and when is like my time off when I would like to actually not have to look at my phone unless it's being called to a birth. So I'm, I'm writing a policy that I'm giving to people at the beginning of care just to say like, hey, you know, I don't want to always be 
at my phone's disposal. I'd like to have times when I can really put it down and um, be with my family without feeling like I have to check my phone. Every, you know, of course, if I'm on call and somebody calls me for a birth, that's different. But I'm talking about the little, you know, texts here and there all the time that. Yeah, well, you can. I mean, pe- people can text you, and you, you can, you if you have the self discipline, you can decide that that's a text that can wait till this evening to, re- to return. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am so uh, more obsessive compulsive, so like I'd rather have it off my plate mm-hmm. than having things piling up. Mm-hmm. So I do respond better. Like if um, my wife calls me and says, "Can you call on a prescription for uh, zithromycin for uh, somebody who's got positive chlamydia culture or something?" Uh, you know, I mean. I don't really, it's not urgent. I could, they probably had it for two years, but, but, (laughs) you know, I'd rather just call it in and get it off because part of me also thinks that the client is now more worried and I don't like to leave them worried either. Totally. Yeah. Something that's concerning. I would rather them reach out. In an ideal situation, we would each, you and I would each have a a partner or -hmm. an associate that, that we shared our call with and then we would have days where we were completely off. So I'm that to me, to it. me is a big, yeah, to me is, uh, I've been working on it for years and that, that hasn't worked for me. <laughs> but um, for me, that's a big, that would be the best thing possible for self-care would be to, to have a model that's different than the model that I've been practicing for so long. Mm-hmm. Right. And then one of the other ones that I think is really important is dealing with the emotional component of our work. You know, when, when we feel like you know, there was a loss or a bad outcome or, um, you know, a really intense situation for a client or something. Um, When I was in school, uh, Marina, I always don't pronounce her last name correctly, that worked with us at at the sanctuary, Al Zucar. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't Uh, pronounce it either. Butchering her name. So there's a book that interviewed a bunch of midwives called In These Hands, and we were supposed to read it and do a, like, write something about it for our school. And I actually, because I know Marina, I called her and talked to her about it. And one of the most important things that she said that's really impacted me is not bringing our shit, so to speak, into the birth room. Like, if you had a, had a hemorrhage the last time and now you're feeling triggered about hemorrhages, right? So there's this this process of working through that emotional component for ourselves to to get grounded and to really come back into the room with trust and faith in the process and leaving anything personal or anything having to do with a previous birth in in the background. And so I think that takes work. I don't I think That takes a huge amount of work cuz th- that's a skill that uh that mo- most people don't have it's not innate that sort of skill you have to really work on it work on that because yeah. how do you not carry that with you right right but i think that that's important too is that you know over years and years and years of doing this work if you're not processing that and not dealing with that it can have a, a huge effect on you well that's why we have a sense of community and we have people we can talk to whether it's you and i talking personally or whether it's uh, the the uh, midwife's uh what do you call that thing where they meet every um, peer review peer review yeah mm-hmm. that's right thank mm-hmm. you um that's that's sort of helpful it's usually a safe space not always not always a safe space mm-hmm. to, to open up there but it's really good to have that sort of thing because you know i must be able to do it because i have been doing this same work for i'm in my 34th year mm-hmm. of doing this and i've seen a lot of stuff not all good mm-hmm. mostly good mm-hmm. mostly amazing mm-hmm. mostly miraculous actually <laughs> um 
but I've seen the thing. But you know, I I I think the longer I practice, and at this point in my career, I think that I do feel sometimes that I could use a little bit of help because I do feel that at sooner or later the shoe's going to fall or the, something's going to happen. Well, yeah, statistically, that's yeah. true, right? Yeah, yeah, and I especially because I'm already out there on a limb. Um, I'll just tell you a brief story. I have uh, this lovely couple, and the woman, one of the women in the couple, was seeing her, getting her routine gynecologist down in um, Orange County, and they were telling them that if they get pregnant, that this is what they're planning to do. They're going to have a home birth, and they're going to go with Doctor Fishman. She goes, he goes, he goes, oh, <laughs> that guy, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. right. Now, a little. I mean, she stood up for me, and that's great, mm-hmm. but. This is the, the feeling that's out there. And there is a sense, I believe, and maybe I'm projecting. I don't know. I hope not because I don't like to see any bad things happen to anybody. But I think there's a sense of maybe Schadenfreuden out there that people would, if something bad happened, there are people that, you know, sort of take some sort of glee in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the, what's going on in uh, Nebraska. I'm not going to get into that today, but mm-hmm. just briefly. And uh, you watch the social media stuff and some of the most venomous, vicious things are being said um, about, you know, a, a tragic outcome. Yes. And uh, the thing that I always say is that tragic outcomes happen every day in the hospital setting. Yes. And you just don't hear about them. And, and uh, it's very rare to see social media or the Twitter mob go insane over a bad outcome in the hospital setting. Maybe I'm not on those... I don't even know if there are such groups that are, you know, that, that do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I, I do feel that that would be very helpful for me. And it's why it's helpful for me to talk to you and mm-hmm. have Beth and even my students and stuff. We just, we have these nice, uh, you know, chats where you can sort of let things out. Yeah. Cause I really, my family's not interested. Kids aren't really interested at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think your peers is good. And I think sometimes you might need professional support, you know, especially. Oh, that's true. If we have students, right, we're there to help the students process. It may not be appropriate to process our biggest fears or concerns with our students. It may be better to find a peer. And sometimes you can't find a peer and you may need someone who's outside, who's a professional, who can help you talk through some of this stuff. You know, I think that's yeah, that's true. Although I'm, I'm not saying that you're using your your student as a confessional, but your no, no, student no. needs yeah. to know that what what they're getting themselves into. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's a balance there. Yeah. So, um, one question for you before we wrap up self care. Yeah, you because know, we've got a lot to cover. I know. Today. I could see you twitching. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Am I really? <laughs> no. Because I do. I actually do have a twitch <laughs> in my um, face. Oh, my kids will laugh hysterically if they, of course, they don't listen to the podcast. If you guys listen to the podcast and you heard that line, <laughs> text me, okay? Because I, I'm, this is a test to see if you actually listen to my podcast. Uh, um, if, <laughs> now that we're discussing self-care, what's one area that you think you could be doing better? That you that you would like. Do you have an answer for that, or is that just a no, random question? No, it's just a question for you. I think nutri- I think nutrition for me could be mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. I should, you know, I like I do spend a lot of time in my car, mm-hmm. and like I, I I know the guys at the windows of the, uh, <laughs> the drive-through. <laughs> they go, "It's you again, right?" Yeah. <laughs> oh, how come the price went up? The price went up for thirty-six cents from last from last week. I know You're the price of a number four. I know, you know, it's exactly. I know what it costs. Okay, nutrition. So nutrition for me would be a big thing, and okay. I have some of the 
great mentors of nutrition because some of our clients mm-hmm. are, are, you know, if you look at their Instagram posts, I mean, they're posting the most beautiful yeah. plates full of, of healthy food. Yeah. You know, our, our friend uh, from Shut the Kale Up. Yeah. Yeah. She does some great, some great stuff. Yep. 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 Oh, yeah. Was that birth since the last podcast? Probably. It, it must have been because I just saw it posted. Oh, yeah. 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 So to AJ and Jeanette, they did uh, great work and that was, that, was, that was great. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to wrap up with self-care before we move on to birth? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So what would you do? Well, I think I, I actually think I'm pretty good about self-care. This is one thing I think I'm doing really well with. Um, but the, the one that I just mentioned is writing this policy about, you know, what are some protocols oh, and boundaries for boundaries myself. Down, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that would be an improvement. Oh, and potentially having an office so that I'm not driving around so much. Those are the two that I'm I'm noticing and starting to make changes currently. Yeah, I think you'll find that, that Sorry, if you can share overhead with... Um, with another midwife or another group of mm-hmm. uh, midwives, you can you can. It's not very expensive mm-hmm. to have an office, and you're right. It's uh, then you know uh, you can still do your home visits for somebody if it's convenient. Mm-hmm. Like that's what that's what you and I do. If we're in, if we're in Orange County for some reason uh, for a birth or a home visit on somebody, mm-hmm. and there's somebody else who's you know instead of making them drive up next week for a visit, we'll uh, you know I'll call them or text them. Are you home? They'll say yeah. Can we come by? Mm-hmm. Sure. And then we save them a visit. But you're right. To, to do that all the time is, is hard. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So births. Okay. So let's go from births to blogs. You didn't say births yet. Oh, we didn't do births. Well, we did. I mean, we had a nice water birth. Down With a repeat? In, down in Orange County. Yep. No. It wasn't a water birth. I was at a water birth. Oh, another you, one. <laughs> you, you weren't there. I wasn't there. Yeah, shut the kale up was a was a was a water birth. Good for home. her. And what's interesting is that she didn't want to have a water birth, and then and then they had the little the little um, pool, the, the, their son's pool in the backyard. Uh huh. And during the labor, she just asked, "Can we fill? Can we put some water in there?" How hilarious! <laughs> yeah, it was one of those pools. It's only like it's only like yeah. uh, eighteen inches high. I don't love those, but no, yeah, yeah, it so worked out for her. It worked out great. Great. And the baby was born in the call. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and last time she had a breech delivery. She did. On her bed. That's right. Yeah. And this time she barely pushed it all. Good for her. And I had the the uh, two Hawaiian uh, students. Well, one's a midwife. She uh-huh. was just visiting and then the Hawaiian student was here. Oh great. So they they and it was great because the other part of my team was stuck in traffic. Because uh, it went faster. It was an. It was a, It was a. It was one of those weird things where she went to labor like ten in the morning, mm. and got active around two in the afternoon on a Friday. I think it was. Mm. And what are you going to do? Yeah. She was in Orange County. Yeah. My team is up in L.A. So uh, that happens. But you know, it's a very rare event for labor to to happen like that. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you have another kid in the house. It's almost always after dark. Yeah. I think that labor starts at least. Yep. Right. Uh, With the one that we just did, you thought that once the older child went to bed that she would have her baby. <laughs> he back. never went to bed, though. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I see a pistol. Uh, but that was a nice that was a nice birth, too. It went, it went so fast. I mean, she, wanted, she wanted to have a water birth, and we, we only had like four inches of water in the tub by the time the baby came out. So She was another repeat client who labored in the water for hours and hours and hours and hours last time. Yep. And then we finally got her out, and Stu helped her deliver. And then this time... We were going to fill up the tub. And I feel a little bad still. 
about it. I don't think it would have mattered. You, you, Ten minutes earlier, and you still wouldn't have had a tub filled. So and I, they forgot to put the liner in the tub, too, which, <laughs> which I love that. Which was really good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Stu and I were down in that area anyways in Orange County. And so we both decided to just stay and not go back to L.A. because she was a multip. And we figured, you know, she would be delivering that night at some point. It just didn't make a lot of sense. So we had a nice dinner together. Yes, we did. And we walked along the beach in Laguna together. And, um, and then Stu was kind of like, okay, I'm ready to lay down now. It's, you know, I've been, I went to a movie earlier and, you know, what am I going to do? It's eight o'clock. I went to a, I went to a four-year-old's birthday party before <laughs> that. That's why I was down in Orange County to uh-huh. begin with. Uh-huh. Right. Um, so I don't know. We got there at like 8.15, something like that, I think. Uh, yeah, it was, it was after eight o'clock. Yeah. Maybe yeah. even 8.30. Yeah. And yeah. she delivered at 9.30. She delivered at thirty, but we went. What a blessing, though. Yeah. We, were, we, I, we, you know, I mean, I know that you stayed because you had a seminar the next day, but I was, I was in bed by one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and that doesn't happen very often. No, no, it right. doesn't. So, um, she, uh, she was laboring, but it wasn't really active yet. She hadn't really gotten to an active pattern. No, so. she was talking. Yeah, so we were like, we're just gonna go upstairs and hang out. Stu put on his headphones so he could get some rest. And um, I was just kind of catching up on text messages and stuff because I had been doing my yoga teacher training all day. And uh, we were kind of upstairs a little bit of a distance from where she was laboring. But I did hear her finally. And I was like, huh, I should go down there and check on them. And um, things were definitely more active, but the, her contractions were still like four minutes apart. And um, so I told the dad, you know, let me know if, you know, you don't have to time anymore, but let me know if you hear her like grunting or if you feel like, you know, things are getting closer together, then, you know, we'll come back downstairs. And um, so I went up and told Stu and he said, oh, just have him fill the tub, have him start filling the tub. So I went down like immediately, like up and down the stairs, you know, and when I got back downstairs, he goes, oh, she's grunting. And she definitely was about to have the baby. So I went back upstairs and said, it's time. We hadn't set up anything because the toddler had been running around. And so we thought, let's just set it up after he goes to bed. So Stu's setting up the tray and I'm tearing her depends off um, so that I could see what was happening. And uh, I said, I think you really need to come in here. And then what, like three pushes? Uh, The first one was, yeah, sort of, a struggle for her to push, and then two contractions, and yeah. the baby was out. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, and, and yeah, and the uh, and the uh, husband caught the baby. The father caught the baby. Yeah, that was beautiful. And uh, he was so moved by that. Yeah. Yeah. So was I. <laughs> it was yeah. really sweet. Yeah, and I don't get you know you know we we've described two two um, recurrent returning clients multip births. Mm-hmm. Those are probably the only two I'll have in the, <laughs> in the next six months. You know, because everything that I get is is generally yeah. a you know, V-back after multiple C-sections or breaches or twins. Yeah, but just shows the people that deliver with you, even if they don't have a problem for the next birth, they are a lot of them problem. Are, uh, I don't want a lot of them are loyal. Yeah, they're very yeah, loyal. Yeah, they want, they want you there again. Right. So any other births? I haven't. I was in Costa Rica. Um, well, this, yeah, we had, we had uh, another twin birth, I think, that got, um, she ended up having to be transported because she was developing hypertension. She was 40 weeks, almost 41 weeks with her twins. And she lived out in, well, in the in the Yiddish world, we call it Yechopetzville, but she lived <laughs> in um, Hemet, California. You can mm. can look that up. Okay? Yeah, that's far. And she was planning to deliver at a birth center in Yucaipa, which is 80 miles east of Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. that's still a drive for me. Mm-hmm. But 
the uh, we had she was taking her blood pressure or she went to a, a visit and it was you know the blood pressures were consistently 140 to 150 over 90 to 100 and she wasn't in labor so we called on old old Mr. Reliable and even though she was lived out that far she drove all the way to old Mr. Reliable <laughs> well, you Dr. Know, Shavira yeah of course <laughs> right old Mr. Reliable and she gets there and her blood pressure is stable enough they don't think she has preeclampsia she doesn't get mag and they get her induced, and she ends up having a VBAC vaginal delivery of her twin. Great. And Wonderful. unlike the last set of twins, which was six hours apart, mm-hmm. this one was about 10 minutes, 12 minutes apart. Which is more yeah, normal. Which is much more normal. Mm-hmm. And they were thrilled. Were you with there? The, no. Okay. No. You know, they deliver in the OR there. Mm-hmm. So there's a limited, and then they have the NICU team, and the, you know, yeah. you know, you know how that works. Yep, yep, yep. So I would have just gone, and I would have sat in the waiting room, and that's just not my thing to do. Yeah. Right. Not good on your so body. So I went the next day. Good self-care. Yeah. See, that is that is self-care, mm-hmm, actually. Because mm-hmm. I'm useless there. I mean, mm-hmm. and if they needed me, they texted me and we talked. Right. But for the most part, you know, I, I turned them over to Dr. C and uh, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, he's me. Okay. <laughs> or I'm him. One or the other. I mean, it really is very similar to what yeah. I used to do. Yeah. You and, know they're in good hands. Right. And uh, so I went the next day with my student. And we went to see them, and the babies were adorable, and the whole family was in there, and she was uh, beaming, so that was great. I told you when we were having dinner the other night, we haven't done a twin delivery together in a while, and I'm I'm having some withdrawals from twin delivery. I have a a huge number of twins coming up. I know you told me I can't wait. Okay, uh-huh. yeah, I, I, some of them are some of them are with other I like know, other I midwives know. who refer them to me, so they use their team. But I know. but I, I'll I'll find you one. Find me one. I will. (laughs) I will. I have two sets coming up in September, and I have three sets, I think, coming up in November. Maybe even one in October. I don't know. Those are all good. My biggest concern, of course, is not the self care. is is goes against my self care, and that's the fact that I have booked um, seminars Mm -hmm. that I'm scheduled to speak at. Mm -hmm. In the next three months, I'm going to be in Atlanta, and then I'm going to be in uh, Wichita, and then I'm going to be in New Jersey. And then we're still working on the Wisconsin um, possibility of having a whole a breach conference in Wisconsin. Whole different thing. There hasn't been a breach conference in the United States, I think, in about eight years, seven or eight years. And so, my friend Cynthia, who's a, a, a glorious midwife from in Wisconsin, who's probably done more breach deliveries than anybody in America, hmm. uh, over five hundred wow. in her career at home. Beautiful. And, um, I'd like to learn from her. Yeah, well, unfortunately, the academic uh, society, academic world doesn't want to learn from her, and they don't want to learn from... Uh, uh, here's an interesting thing. Actually, I was going to save this for later, but let me see if I can find this letter while I talk about this. This was... Um, um, she's been working on this for nine months or almost a year, get, trying to get this thing together, and we finally got... The a, conference. The conference. Mm-hmm. And we finally got a fairly interesting group of luminaries together, um, including Dr. C and me and uh, potentially Larry Lehman, from uh, um, from New Mexico, mm-hmm. and then Hermine Hayes Klein was going to be there, and uh, Jennifer Block, the author, Great. and uh, um, the writer was going to be there, and then Rixa was going to be there, and David Hayes was going to be there, and uh, and a couple other people, and uh, you know, we tried to keep it. They didn't want it to go off with like uh, like Gail Tully. They didn't want it to go off in that direction with spinning babies and stuff. So we tried to keep it fairly academic. And we tried to emphasize that this wasn't about home breach birth or about anything else. But the fact that there were home breach birth people involved and the fact that there were water birth people involved, the, um, the, uh, 
chairman of the OB department uh, nixed the whole thing. All right. Was it supposed to be at the hospital? No, it was going to be sponsored by the University of Wisconsin Madison, uh-huh. and that was a huge thing because we, then we were going to be able to have access to medical students, residents, doctors, and have some credibility uh, given to this conference. I'm shaking my head. Well, I know you are, and let me, let me just um, give you a, a little note. Um, this is the letter that was written to the chairman of the department by uh, a um, a family, the head of the family medicine department at the University of Wisconsin. He writes essentially that he was approached by Cynthia and that she's attended over 550 vaginal breach births. And as you know, in, uh, she says, in 2000, the term breach trial showed higher neonatal mortality and poor neurologic outcomes for vaginal breach delivery versus cesarean. And based on this study, the U.S., much of the world, quickly stopped supporting vaginal breach birth. Since then, a two-year follow-up study found that actually the results were not worse for vaginal breach than cesarean. A couple of better designed European studies also found vaginal breach, when done appropriately, to be as safe as cesarean. ACOG, the Society of OBGYN of Canada, and the Royal College of OBGYN for the UK now support vaginal breach delivery when certain prerequisites are met. And he says, however, few people now have the skills in, to attend vaginal breach delivery. Cynthia is not looking for financial investment nor administrative help with the conference, but would appreciate the support of the University of Wisconsin Department of OBGYN and the Department of of family medicine and community health. We are planning to reserve a large auditorium, blah, blah, blah. Please, and so he su- submits to her all the syllabi that we put together. Each speaker had to put together a little uh, summary of their talk mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And then, and then course objectives. We did, uh, that's a lot of work that we put that together. Yeah, it sounds great. So then here's what, here's what the person writes, okay? Lee, thanks for giving us an opportunity to evaluate the sponsorship. I have reviewed the websites and online information of many of the organizers and presenters. I also discussed sponsorship with another doctor. The conference organizer and many of the presenters are proponents of practices that would be considered non-standard of care for academic obstetricians. So basically he's saying that, that many of the presenters support things that are not standard. Yep. Okay? And she says home births, vaginal breach, home births, water births, etc. Our department's sponsorship of this conference could potentially be misconstrued as tacit support for these practices and promoting vaginal breach deliveries outside of the hospital setting. Per ACOG guideline 745, planned vaginal delivery of a term singleton breach fetus may be reasonable under hospital-specific protocol guidelines for eligibility and labor management. As such, we respectfully decline to sponsor this event. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. So here's my twisted logical thinking because (laughs) I, I, I do have this sense of of, of how logic works. But here's here's the head of a department of OBGYN who just quoted ACOG saying that planned vaginal breach delivery under hospital guidelines would be appropriate. Yes. They don't teach it. Yep. And there's nobody there that knows how to do it. Right. The only people that do enough breach deliveries in the country anymore are people that do them outside of the hospital. Right. All right. But we can't have people outside of the hospital teaching our people in the hospital how to do it even though we think we should learn how to do it in the hospital because they're out of the hospital people. It's crazy. It's, it's circuitous. Usually there's circuitous logic. This is circuitous illogic. Yeah. Because she quotes ACOG as a reason not to support home breach birth, but ACOG also says we should be doing breach birth. So did you respond? No, I, well, I, it was hopeless. I, no, I'm not, I'm but not, I, I think you should respond with exactly what you just said. Even though it may not get you the conference, it may at least plant something well i'll ask i'll ask the people that are organizing this i'm just a i'm just a presenter 
I will ask the people that are organizing this if they think it matters at all. It, it, that, it's a done deal. It's gone already. No, I think it's just good for that person to hear that, that you know, how are these people supposed to learn the skill if, if the skill inside of the hospital model is gone? And and it's recommended that they should be offering it as an option. Yeah, and then and the other and the other thing where my you know how my mind has these quick little quirks like when you talked about YP and and I said because your bladder's full remember remember that from yeah. the other part. So when when she says this sort of thing, I'm I'm thinking okay, well, by put, by presenting something at a university, might imply that you're giving tacit approval to it. Yeah. Universities are supposed to be clearinghouses for all kinds of ideas. Right. Do you think they don't have any? ever have any uh, seminars or something on Mayan culture? Okay? Right. Well, Mayan culture was filled with cannibalism. <laughs> okay, when they do a conference on Mayan culture, is it a tacit approval of cannibalism? Right. Of course not. Right. All right? Mm -hmm. But yet, they don't like, they, you know, they, they, they grasp onto flawed logic in order to make it seem like their argument holds water. But if you actually look at their argument, the problem is they're in the position of power. It's their football. And they can It's their football, and they can just take it home. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. she was this, this uh, chairman, a woman. It's unfortunate. She's Lucy with the football. <laughs> here, comes, here comes another Charlie Brown breach conference. Whoa, whoa, on, on your back. <laughs> That's a bummer. Oh, it is a bummer. Okay. All right. So speaking of... Uh, do you have any births that you want to talk about? Because you were out of town. so Oh, we could talk for a couple minutes about your travels because that was pretty exciting. Uh, yeah. I went to Costa Rica with my son. I know. So for tell, a week. Tell us just a little bit about it. Um, it was awesome. The water's super warm. I surfed two days. Self-care. Self-care. I wanted to surf every day, but the very first day I sliced my hand open with somebody else's board and I was bleeding in the water and I thought, I really don't want to be shark food. <laughs> so... I gave myself a day before I went back in and it healed a little. It's actually still not healed. Um, but that was great. The water's absolutely amazing. It I, is amazing. I there. would love to live somewhere where I could get in the water every day. Um, so that was awesome. And it was interesting spending that much time in a, in a king-size bed with my 16-year-old son, uh, you know, like trying to respect his desire to not really want to do anything in Costa Rica with my desire to have a great vacation but we had a few great days we went uh whitewater rafting and we went horseback riding and uh zip lining and atv that was probably our favorite day atv so, two hour atv ride through like these back roads and like jungle and then it dropped us off at this basically private beach and he gives us snorkeling gear and we were oh, with this great. family yeah, that great. we met and we went and snorkeled and oh it was just it was awesome. Yeah, there's something. There's something nice about ATVing. It's a freedom that you you know to be off road and to be. I mean, Maddie and I had some wonderful memories a year before when we were in Morocco together. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. after the, we gave the talk in Portugal, we went to Morocco, and one of our favorite memories was we went uh, on a two hour ATV ride in the dunes. Oh. and I'm not talking about like the dunes over at San Luis Obispo where you can see the ocean and you and you know that you know. Couple hundred yards inland is 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 the city. Yeah, these are these are dunes where we went into the dunes, and if he if the if our guy would have left us, yeah, <laughs> I would have no way. I have no way of knowing that you know the sun's directly overhead. You have no way of knowing which way is up or down or yeah. east or west. Interesting. Or, so, um, but it was it's 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 a fun thing. So I'm glad you had that time with your son because that's the kind of things that he'll remember and yeah. um, 
Yeah. Well, it was especially freeing for him because he got to ride his own ATV. Yes. And I rented a car and put extra insurance on it and let him practice driving while we were in Costa Rica. I was like, well, if something happens, how, how we're fully he? insured. 15? He's 16. Oh, he's 16. But he doesn't have a license, right? He doesn't yet. So they, the, the, the rental company let you know? Did, you, did they know no. that? Oh, well, it's too late now. It's out there. It's out, unless John wants to edit that section out. But no, no one's, who's going to find out in Costa Rica that my I don't know. Next drives? time you go, there could be a warrant for your arrest. <laughs> no. So um, a lot of fun. Uh, it was a great time off. And now I'm just waiting for a couple babies any day now. Okay. Yeah. So now we have very little time left I know. <laughs> to get into this really important topic. We can do it next time, can't we? Should we do it to the next podcast? Yeah, do, let's do some... Um, I got some letters. Yeah, let's, let's do, do some letters. letters. Okay. Yeah. We were going to talk a little bit about my blog and about... We're going uh, to do the next podcast. Ob, some more obtuse academic academicians, but we'll get to that next time. So next time is going to be a much more serious podcast. Okay, so... Don't who, worry, I'll make it fun. Who was the first letter? Letter from listener Aaron. Let me find Aaron's letter here. Uh, there's Taylor. <laughs> All right, so Aaron. He's got a stack here because it's been so I long do. since All we've right. seen Well, Aaron, I think, was other. first, too. She was in my pile first. So here's Aaron from Pittsburgh, okay? And I, and I used my highlighter to pick out the highlights because it's a long letter, so I'm just going to read the highlights. Highlights. So remember, it's just a summary. Here's the most important part. I love your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I tune in, I feel like I'm sitting right alongside you just listening to a couple of friends chatting about birth and life. By the way, I heard feedback from several people that that's their favorite part. That it does it, that we because we're just having a conversation. We are it, just having a conversation. It feels like we're just sitting there with them, which yeah. Yep. Great. Thanks, Aaron. Okay, so she's current currently pregnant with baby number three. Baby number one was a breech presentation, got a C-section. Mm-hmm. Baby number two, she ended up victoriously but unexpectedly birthing her son. By herself on her living room floor. <laughs> wow. A V-back. H-back. Yeah, unintended. Right? Yeah. Unintended. Yeah. So, and unattended and unintended. <laughs> so that's a pun or play on words. All right. Currently, she's 31 weeks pregnant. This is uh, about three weeks old. This, uh, so she's about 34, 35 weeks pregnant now. Baby's an oblique lie. She's got two questions here. I'm confident this is a transitional lie and that baby will sort out his or her position. But I'm curious what advice you have in the meantime for sorting out an oblique lie. Oblique lies with multips um, and about oblique lies with multips. Could an ECV be an option with an oblique lie? The answer to that is absolutely yes. yes. Most of the time it won't be necessary. Sometimes you can just put on a binder and like put on like a folded little washcloth or a towel on the side where the head is in, the, in that quadrant and it just sort of will push on the baby's head. And you can just wear a binder. You don't even need a version. Um, especially, especially if you come in and you can just sort of feel the baby. You can feel the baby move. You can just, you can just wear a binder to get the baby to settle down. But, um, you know, again, at 34 weeks, hopefully by now that you're listening to this, your baby is now head down and it's, not, it's a non-issue. Um, the fact that your first baby was breached, I don't know if there's any sort of issue with your uterus at all. Um, but you, it doesn't really matter now. It's sort of a moot point. But yes, you can do a version. You can do um, spinning babies. You can do anything you want to try to get that baby. To Body be. balancing is what I would recommend. So chiropractic work or the the work in spinning babies to get you know the right. body more to loosen balanced. those things, loosen up those ligaments and loosen up the bones. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, in general, what have your experiences have been with third labors? 
I keep hearing that third babies are wild cards, but considering I've had two wild card births already, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what that's supposed to mean. So I always think that a multi, you know, I've heard the story, the same thing that second babies are fast, third, third babies are unpredictable. But in my experience, every woman that's having a third baby or a fourth baby, they're just fast. They're just... Mine was longer. Okay. Do we know why? My third baby? Yeah. I think it's because I got in the tub right away. Oh. Which I was totally okay with because my second one was so fast that I was okay with slowing it down. Right. You know? Um, so I went from a two and a half labor hour labor to a six hour labor. It wasn't hugely long. No. Um, but there were a lot of people in the house, had kids around and didn't seem to affect the fact that I, you know, had the baby. But um so yeah. I've yeah, so it. I guess it is not predictable, but I would still say that I expect it's gonna go fast. So you know, you should be prepared. prepared. I don't know exact, the exact story behind your second one and how long you stayed home or whatever, but be prepared for it to go fast. And if it doesn't, just know that the, the likelihood of success is extremely high, especially if you stay in the community-based birthing world. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if you're planning a home birth with a third one because the second one wasn't the planned home birth. <laughs> I hope but you it, are. All right. Then lastly, here's another question she has. She says, I had a LEAP procedure performed six months prior to conceiving baby number three. And then she wants to know, um, I'm very curious what both of your experiences have been with clients with a history of LEAP. Have you ever had one? Mm-hmm. Okay, so good. Oh, personally or No, client? no, not you personally. <laughs> I never <laughs> asked that question. <laughs> yeah, how's your herpes doing, by the way? All right, never mind. <laughs> you're, you're so weird. <laughs> I would never ask your personal medical history on a podcast. Well, I don't know. Right. Um, oh my God. I share all kinds of private things on the podcast. She wants to know the likelihood of scar tissue in relation to yep. the time the LEAP was performed. And her cervical length is normal, by the way, at 3.1 centimeters. So that's yes. fine. So they didn't take, you know, a leap is, the whole purpose of a leap is different from a cone biopsy in that it shaves off just, just enough tissue to remove the lesion and make a diagnosis, whereas a cone biopsy used to take out a, a decent portion. chunk of the endocervix. And so you often would, you, not often, but you could, you're more likely to see incompetent cervix mm-hmm. um, with a cone. And rarely, occasionally can you see a scarred cervix where things won't open up. Um, the it's only potential, yeah, I would say it's a uh, scarred cervix with a leap is extremely rare. And on rare occasions, I've seen people who've had a leap or a cone where their cervix, they, they, they can get completely effaced, but their cervix stays at one centimeter. And then you go in with your finger and you sort of just break it up, break up the scar tissue, you know, and suddenly mm-hmm. they're like five centimeters. Yeah. Right. But that is scar tissue. It is scar tissue, yeah. but it's, yeah. it, but it doesn't inhibit the success rate. No, but it may need a little bit of help in order to progress. Just what you're talking yes. about. A little bit of manipulation of the of the tissue, maybe even using a little bit of evening primrose oil um, uh, or barrage oil. You could do it during labor um, in between your fingers. Your provider could. Obviously, a midwife's probably going to be a little bit more comfortable with doing this than an OB in the hospital, but I don't know for sure. Do you think of OB would do that automatically or well i think they do more vaginal exam in the hospital anyway so i think that yeah. that they're gonna they're gonna yeah they're gonna try to stretch the cervix so it may be a conversation hopefully they'll ask permission first but hopefully <laughs> so it might be a conversation to have at one of your prenatal visits that's something that you are thinking about and that you would like um but you can also do it prenatally um <laughs> and and apply it to, for yourself there's a little bit of controversy people think that it potentially could um it affect the integrity of your bag. I'm not convinced of that, but just in full disclosure. Doing what are you saying? 
using a little bit of um, EPO oh. or barrage oil on your cervix yourself, kind of like applying it and maybe, you know, even, yeah, applying it. Yeah, I would, I would get an opinion first from your practitioner as to what your cervix is doing. So if you have a midwife, just have your midwife do at least one vaginal exam in the antenatal period and see what your cervix feels like. If it feels like a normal cervix, I just I would leave it alone. Leave it until labor, especially. Yeah, yeah. I would leave it alone. Yeah. Okay, so Aaron from Pittsburgh, thanks very much. And I think we try to get one more in real quick. Okay. All right, because this is from Taylor. He's giving me a look. In, who is? <laughs> you. <laughs> okay. Well, John's probably giving us a look at what's going on here. Uh, from Deerfield. So I think Deerfield is Illinois, right? I think. Oh, <laughs> everybody heard, everybody heard John go, yeah. Oh, good. All he right. knows. Yeah, I okay. was like, He's from oh, Chicago. Very I know nice. LA. That's okay, it. so this is about uh, gestational diabetes testing options. Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, hi, Dr. Stu. My name is Taylor. I'm Curry, a nursing student at Loyola in Chicago. There you go, John. In the long run, I'd like to be a midwife and, and an OBGYN. <laughs> okay. Yay. She's an overachiever. Way to go, Taylor. <laughs> I have a question regarding gestational diabetes testing. I'm in school and currently I'm learning about the one or three hour glucose test, but I've had five babies at home. And I never did that. My midwife instead allowed me a fasting blood draw, no drink, just al- arrived at the lab in the morning after fasting for the night. I really want to have a conversation with someone to understand why it is okay that she did this or was it not okay and why there is no information about this possible way of testing. The drink just seems so awful for pregnant women. I am curious if there's another way. I just don't know who to ask because I'm pretty sure everyone's response will be that the drink is just the way they do it. Boy, if she got that nailed down. Mm-hmm. It's right. the standard of care. Uh, and she thought we might have some insights. Well, yeah. of course we have insights. Yeah. Not always correct, but we it's have insights. It's interesting that her midwife did fasting, though. What do you think about that versus we do postprandial? Yes. So what do you think about the fasting as the screening? Well, what you're really, I think what you're really worried about for somebody with insulin-requiring diabetes, they'd have to have an elevated fasting. So if you've got somebody who has a normal fasting, they're not going to be insulin-requiring. And if your concern about gestational diabetes is really a diet or how, you know, how crappy they eat and how much, you know, how much weight they're getting or if the baby's getting big, uh, then, then, yeah, doing a one-hour after eating thing is reasonable or they could even do the 20 the 22 or whatever it is 23 jelly bean thing mm-hmm. that sort of thing um but i think that the, the likelihood of a normal healthy person having gestational diabetes that's going to affect the management of her labor or or cause or, or call for interventions or unnecessary testing is way overcalled in in our in 100%, our field 100 percent. Right. but i actually really i this is a really I love this topic because I do feel like if we screen postprandial and we see an elevation in the numbers, there's so much information that a woman can get about her health, her well-being, how to manage it, how her body feels, because we'll do a diet diary and then have her do home testing. Um, So she is going to get so much information about how to manage her own health care because of the increased potential of getting type 2 diabetes later in life. Um, I just, I think it's so superior to do it this way. You know, I would never give anybody that drink. It's just horrible. Like, why would you put that in a pregnant woman's body? Well, it's not how, and I agree with you, some of the people will throw it up and the other people, it's not how you normally will handle a a glucose load. mm -hmm. No one drinks 200 calories of sugar. Mm-hmm. Well, 50 some grams. People, some people might, but not our clients usually. No, but but yeah. but even so, 
you, you, you would advise people against doing that anyway, and then, right. you're, and then, you're, then you're giving it to them. Right. But I understand that, you know, I understand why it's done. I mean, the, the, the idea of standards or standardization is meant to, you know, to cross all, ro- all roads and boundaries. I mean, there, you know, when we talked to Augustine last time, she talked about how there's seven silos don't ever talk to each other and mm-hmm. we all do d- things differently. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it be nice if we could, uh, if the people who think that you need to do the one hour and the three hour could listen to the people who, who what we're saying and then we could maybe come out with an, a compromise or somebody could even organize a study. And they could do one hours on, you know, if people volunteer, you could do a one hour post 50 gram glucose test or the two hour post 75, whichever one you want. Everybody is the one hour post 50 gram glucose test mm-hmm. one week. And then the next week you could do one hour post prandial and you could do fastings or you whatever. And you could compare and you could actually compare the results. I don't know that that's ever been done. I don't know there's ever been a study that compares the two different types and how different they would be because if they're rel- relatively similar, then why put people through drinking the sweet stuff? Oh, yeah, so we, w- w- the reason that we do what we do with the one hour postprandial is because we want to know how a woman responds to how that woman normally eats. Yeah, and I usually tell them if you if you cheat once in a while, like you have juice yeah. or you like pancakes, eat that because we want to see like your worst meal, how your body responds. But yeah, what, that makes total sense to me in terms of how to manage it. Okay, so. Th- uh, so her thank- midwife was right. Her midwife yeah. didn't. Like- so Taylor, thank you very much. Yeah. All right. So what we're going to have to do now is, you so know, I, I had a stack. Of, I had like 11, 12 things that we were going to get to. And I think we got to three of them. So it was good, though. We talked so about podcast, podcast 151 should be uh, should be interesting because this I'm is one fine. of our longest podcasts ever. We, we, we went over 60 minutes. All right. So you guys are getting a bonus. For what you for what bonus. you pay what you pay for the podcast you got extra this time, <laughs> all right. So anyway, if you can, <laughs> so this has been podcast one fifty, and you can find us on iTunes. If you like it, share us, please. Review. Tell us what you think. Yeah, where do they put reviews on iTunes? Yeah, on iTunes. Do you yeah. ever read them? Because I I actually haven't looked at any. <laughs> um, no, but I will. I thought you were doing that, but it helps us be seen by more people, and then more people will find us. Is that how it works? Yep. Okay. See, I don't. I'm not a social media guru. I'm a I'm not. <laughs> He's cutting us off. Say goodbye. All right. No, wait. I'm, you're supposed to say, I'm supposed to say, anyway, until next time, we really appreciate it. We know you've got a lot of podcasts to listen to. It's really an honor that you listen to ours. We thank you. We're very great. We're very grateful for it. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>